listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. So if you're a Christian, if you consider yourself a believer this morning, I think you'll be able to walk through this passage with me and you are really going to be able to relate to it and for it to really begin to mean something very powerful in your life this morning. I've been praying all week that we would find great comfort and we would find great hope in Paul's difficult language at times and what he is saying. Um, In fact, I've spent a lot of time in this section and I have now found myself more and more drawn to this passage even today. I know there's, there's more for me to understand, and I want to keep coming back to it, because here's what's been fascinating for me, is I have found over the last few weeks of being able to relate to Paul in a way I never have before, because I have always seen Paul as this just mountain of a man that has one of the strongest faiths in the world that did all kinds of things in the name of the gospel, was beaten several times, was stoned, left everything he had, was willing to go to places that the gospel had not been to the frontier to take the gospel to those places. And I read this passage today and I find myself relating to him as like no other time before. In fact, every single believer, what we're going to see today is there is a truth that Paul is going to lay out for us that you are living out even today. Whether you are really feeling like you're really walking with the Lord and, man, things are going well, or you feel like there's a lot more defeat than victory in your life, this truth is happening in your life today, and here is what Paul is going to show us. Your future, or my future, our future is at war with our past for our present. That there is a, future, there is a battle going on, there is the future us, and we're going to talk about that, that is battling with the past you, and it's all working for ownership of your present. Just think about this. Here you have the Apostle Paul, the man that was called on by Jesus on the road to Damascus and dwelled by the Holy Spirit, directed to write most of the New Testament. And this is something that he is struggling with. That he is going to say, my future is battling with my past for my present. And as hard as this passage is today, I love it because Paul is going to be very, very honest. He is going to speak some truth to let us in about who he is and what is going on inside his mind. Because here is what I think we all do. We, If you consider yourself a believer, you consider yourself a Christian, that Christians were to do certain things and to not do certain things, and we grade ourselves on these lists of things that we have created. And there are days that we might feel like, man, I'm doing really well. And there are days where we fail miserably. And we look around and it seems that no one else kind of struggles like we do or that I do. 
Well, everybody else seems to kind of have figured this thing out. Man, they're doing so much better than I am at this. There's no way they have the thoughts that I have. There's no way they feel the way I feel. Man, there's no way they would do the things that I have done or I am doing. And why does my past, why can't I move past mine and everybody else seems to move on and find greener pasture? If people only knew this about me, and what happens is it doesn't take long for us to convince ourselves that there is no way anybody could understand me. Because I don't. You know, that it doesn't take long for us to convince ourselves that real Christians, man, they don't struggle like this. I'm convinced that every single person in here today is going to be able to relate to Paul. He's going to be very honest with what he is thinking and feeling. So this morning, I want you to be encouraged that everyone today, from Paul to everyone after him to everyone sitting in this room today, every single one of us are in this battle. So just like Paul and even the people sitting next to you today, this is true. Your future, Paul's future, was at war with his past for his present. So Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 25 is three major thoughts, three major sections. And the first one, I would phrase it this way, that the law is good, but it can only show me where I am not. So let's read this section and then break it down. Once again, verse 14 through 16. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. For if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So the law is good, but it can only show me that I am not. Because look at verse 14, for we know that the law is spiritual. So think back to all the things you might can remember about what Paul has said. The law... It reveals God's character in His righteousness. In fact, that's the entire theme of Romans is the righteousness of God. He says everyone dishonors God by breaking His law. And everyone does that, that no one can keep it. And then he says everyone is going to be judged by the law. But he made sure we understood the law is not sinful. But it acts as a mirror to show us our sin and our unrighteousness. Last week he said it's holy, meaning it's set apart. It's unlike any other law that is out there. It's righteous. It's true. And he said it's good. And last week we saw the law really does three things. It reveals our sin. It works like that mirror. It activates it. The sin's just looking for an opportunity And it uses the law, but then it shows us the magnitude of our sin. Because here's the downside of the law. The law cannot transform a person's heart. It can only reveal how sinful it is. But look at the disclaimer, the description that Paul used. He says the law is spiritual. In fact, it's the only time in the New Testament that it's used this way. So why would he choose this word? And notice it's capitalized. 
Well, a few reasons for this. One, he wants us to know that the law came from a holy God who is perfectly just in what he does and what he says. But it also comes from God, the Holy Spirit. He wants us to know that the law was not created by man. It comes from God himself in the form of God, the Spirit. Because he wants you to feel a contrast between the law and who you are. Because he says, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. So the law is spiritual, the law is holy, the law is righteous. And me and you were of the flesh. And that's the unholy, the unrighteous, the unspiritual part of you. And this is the part of the person that is under the control, he says, of sin. Because the only way you get to get rid of the flesh is through death. It will always be around until death comes. That is the only way that you can be freed from that part of you. So Paul is now going to describe the war that is going on inside of him. Remember, this is the great Apostle Paul. And he says, in verse 15, I do not understand my actions. I mean, Paul is saying, I don't understand. I don't make, I don't make any sense to myself. That I'm confused even in who I am in this. I do not understand that there is a confusion going on inside Paul. And part of me is really disturbed by the man that God used to write most of the New Testament is writing saying, I don't understand my own, my own self. But he explains why. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Once again, he's describing the war that is raging inside of him. Now, I believe Paul is saved. I believe he has been justified by faith alone. He has a desire to follow Jesus. But he says, I do just the opposite. He says, I want to do what is right, but I end up doing just the opposite. And have you ever felt that way? I mean, just this week, I found myself saying, what are you doing? You know this isn't right. Just this week this was happening. Going, I know better. Why am I doing? Why am I thinking this? And then he goes on in verse 16. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. Meaning, if I know what I'm doing is wrong. He says, that proves to me that the law is good because it is showing me this. Because Paul, remember this, he's called... He's forgiven, he's reconciled, he's saved, he's indwelled by the Holy Spirit. He understands what is good and acceptable and pleasing to God. He has a desire to do that. But there's a battle going on within him that there are times he says, I completely fail at this. And I hope that is something that seems very relevant his fellow saying, as hard as I try, I have never in my life experienced 100% victory over sin. As much as I want to, 
I do not love God with all of my heart. And hopefully that's something that resonates. Because Paul feels and experiences this battle going on within him. He says the law is good. It is spiritual. But it can only show me that I am not. And Paul feels that. So a second section, he's going to show us that he knows there is something in him that is always looking to betray him. That he never gets past this. Verse 17 through 19. So now, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want to do is what I keep on doing. <clears throat> so let's break this down a minute, because he says some kind of strange phrases. In verse 17 he says, So it is no longer I who do it, speaking of sin, but the sin that dwells in me. And if we're not careful, it almost seems like he's kind of passing the buck and saying, well, it's the devil that made me do it. That's not really me. But what he's trying to do is describe this battle that is going on within him and this division that he feels. Because earlier, Paul introduced the concept of flesh. It is a part of us that serves sin. And before a person comes to faith in Christ, there's no war going on because your flesh serves sin. That's exactly what we want to do. There is no battle going on. Even if they wanted, somebody wanted to obey the law, which they don't, Paul has already told us, their efforts only end in failure because only through faith can a person follow and please God. So once somebody receives God's grace and the Holy Spirit kind of takes up residence inside the believer, that's when the war begins. Before salvation, there is no battle. Everybody's kind of getting along. They're all on the same side. But once salvation happens, a war begins to rage. Because once faith takes hold, once a person is given a new heart, as Scripture tells us, There's kind of two parts to you. There's the spirit that desires righteousness and and goodness and purity and following God with all that we have. But then you still have this part of us, this flesh, that continues to serve sin. Because look at verses 18 and 19. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. Notice the part he's describing. That is my flesh The part that is sinning. For I have the desire to do what is right. The spirit side of him. But not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want. But the evil I do not want. Is what I keep on doing. So Paul is describing this battle that is going on. There is the part of him who is in Christ. And Paul knows that God sees him as completely righteous because he is in Christ. And that is Paul's future self. One day, that will be fully realized. 
But also in Paul, there's this flesh. This part of him that still has a desire to serve sin. And this is Paul's past. And these two forces are now in him battling for his presence to take control. But Paul has learned something in this battle. Look at verses 20 and 21. And this is where he's going to begin to kind of use the word law in different ways. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Speaking of that flesh part of him. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. So he's talking about the law, but he's not God's law here. He's talking about a principle, a a truth that Paul has learned. And he's discovered this new principle. And he says, "When, when I want to do right, even in my best day, in my best efforts, evil is not far away. That there is still something inside of him that can't be put to death yet. That is still looking to take control. And he feels this battle raging inside of him. But the principle, the truth is, it's raging inside each and every believer. You have this battle going on in you. And this law or this principle is just as true that that sin, evil, lies close at hand. And so here's this battle. There's the battle who you once were. But there's also who you will one day be. We call this this already not yet thing. It means there was this once, this past me. But there's this future me that we believe is coming. And now there is this battle from these forces to take control of your present. And so the last section, I simply titled it, Only One Hope. And I love this section, and we're going to talk about it in just a minute, because look at verse 22. Because Paul's going to speak about one side. He wants us to know the desire for I I delight in the law of God. In my inner being, in my spirit, I delight in the law. The part that is controlled by Christ, the part that loves God's law, sees it as holy and righteous and good. We would say things like, the Bible is God's word. I believe the Bible. I love the Bible At least we would say, I want to. And Paul says, deep down, I delight in God's law, in God's word. I delight in that. And he's telling that truth to the other part of him. Because that's not the end of it. Because there's another force fighting. In verse 23. But I see in my members another law or another truth or another principle. And notice what they're doing. They're raging war against the law of my mind. And notice where the battle is fought. It's often in our mind. And these forces are battling. And one force is trying to make me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. And he's speaking in a present tense. He says, this is still going on for me. And there is a battle 
It's fought in my mind and it is raging. So there's one side that says, God loves me and I love God. I love His law. This part says, in Christ, I'm secure. I'm holy. I'm righteous. And that's why we sing truth like that. That we say, I am who you say I am. That there is a truth about me that is true. Even when my experiences in my present situation may be trying to tell me and convince me of just the opposite. Because there's one side that loves me. That loves my rules. Part of me likes to say, no way God is for me. There's no way God can love me. There's no way I could be a Christian if people knew everything about me. And you see, Paul, up until this point, has not been set free completely from sin. That there is a past that he knows he's been forgiven of. But where he sits, he can't see the finish line when he wrote this. He has not been completely set free of sin. So there's the future reality that he would say is secure. But his sinful past, it will not let go of him yet. His sinful past is still trying to take captive his present. Even for Paul. Well, then Paul is going to cry out. He's got this battle raging inside of him. There is this truth that he wants to believe about who he is in Jesus. And there's this other force that is working in him and saying there's no way that is true about you, Paul. Because I know who you really are. There's the Paul everybody else sees. But there's the Paul that I know. And so Paul, in verse 24... He cries out, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? He says, I'm a miserable, I'm a distressed man. He's describing this inner inner turmoil that he feels, and he knows the real Paul, at least so he thinks. And when he looks in the mirror, he sees a wretched man. And I don't know if you're like me, but I often feel that way. I look, even this week, and I say, I'm such a wretched man. If people only knew, they would never listen to a word I said. Because I know my experiences are telling me, I know the real you. And the only cries, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And in his mind, he believes and he trusts, okay, God, some way, I'm perfectly secure, I'm loved by you, and I'm seen as righteous in your sight. But my experiences, what I'm feeling, says just the opposite. And from where Paul sits, his experiences are telling him just the opposite. He says, I'm nothing but a miserable, distressed, wretched man. And this is the Apostle Paul that is feeling this way. I can't tell you how encouraging that has been for me this week. To feel like 
You're not alone in this. You feel like no one understands what you're going through. Yeah, things might look good on the outside, but if they only knew and you're just tired of the battle going on, you feel there's no way anybody could relate to what you're thinking. No one could understand. If they really knew me, all I would get is judgment. But to hear Paul open up and share the battle going on, he's saying, if you only knew, oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of death? And he's looking for help. Who will deliver me? And then he preaches this truth to himself. That there's only one hope and only one solution. In verse 25, he says, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He says, There's only one hope. There's only one that can deliver me from the body of death, and his name is Jesus. In one day, he says, That's going to happen. But you know now, Paul's experienced that. Because when he's writing this, he's looking forward and he feels this turmoil and he feels this fight. But no longer. Everything in him is now complete. And so this week we were walking through the family advent and we got talking about heaven and what it would be like. And, you know, we talked about, man, there'll be no pain, there'll be no uh, death and we talked about work, and it won't be this thing that feels hard or burdensome. We talked about having glorified bodies. But the thought that hit me is that one day, I will be so far from sin, it will have absolutely no power over me. And we're sitting here today, and Paul knows what that's like. That he no longer has to cry out and he never will be able to, oh, wretched man that I am. He knows what complete deliverance is like. But we're not there yet. So the end of verse 25, he says, So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. And he's really honest about what's going on right inside of him. And he's opening up to others. And Paul is saying that there is a future reality waiting for each and every believer that is completely certain. But in this life, until that time comes, no believer lives perfect victory over sin. But our future is at war with our past for our present. And so Paul's going to give so much hope next. It's going to show you how to fight. It's going to show you how to experience some victory in chapter 8. But you're going to have to wait till after Christmas. So go and read ahead. Do that. But I want you to see some things from chapter 8. In the battle. In the battle from our past to our future self for our present, there is something that goes on we see in this passage. 
And I think what we need to understand is this is wars being fought on the battlefield of our hearts. And there are two things that you can cry out with. And the first one is that desperate uh, desperation of discouragement when you look at your own self and your own efforts and your own experiences just like Paul. And you cry out, what a wretched person I am. Who can deliver me from this body of death? And when we read God's law and then we look at our lives, that's our only conclusion you can come to. And we should feel that way in some ways as a believer so that we can look past our own efforts just like Paul and see our failures. But there's another cry. There's a cry of hope. Not in ourselves, not in our obedience, not in our experiences, not in our efforts. That all we are and all we have done deserves judgment. But then our cry of hope is for a salvation and deliverance from this war that we can only look to God's Son dying on a cross for. That our only hope is in Jesus. That for obedience in this life or for any real change or even some small victory, we cannot look to our own efforts. But only in the work of God's Spirit in our lives. And that is all about what chapter 8 is. So what I want us to see is that your future is at war with your past for your present. And there will be times where you are going to feel that, oh, wretched man that I am, if only people know. Christ does. And he says, I'm coming for you. And one day, this battle will be over. And the great thing is, this was written by someone that is sitting there today and knows what that's like. And so keep the faith, keep fighting, keep the hope that you and I get to experience that deliverance one day. That our future is at war with our past for our present. So let's pray. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at BethelBible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.